Every now and then when we start the show, I try to think of something witty to say, but there's nothing that beats a good old-fashioned good morning. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven right here on Covenant Network. It is 7 a.m. on this Wednesday, April 19th, which means it's time for us to be together here on the airwaves. Let's begin our day in prayer. You knew I was going to say that one. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father, amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, a happy Wednesday to you. We've got some good things in store today on the show. We are going to be talking about prayer and fasting this morning. Prayer and fasting. More on that later. Doug Berry is going to be with us today on the show to talk about that. For our radio listeners, uh, we've got some words on the Holy Spirit today, on the sacraments and faith, and on purgatory Pay now, pay later. Wait a minute. Is that how it's supposed to go? We'll find out. We'll find out this morning. But before we do, you know, once again, I woke up. The sunlight was coming in the window earlier than normal today. And then by the time I got out to the car, the sun was up. The sun's up now. It looks gorgeous out the window. How long will it stay gorgeous? For that answer, we go to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of St. Gianna Beretta Mola. Born in Italy in 1922, Gianna was the 10th of 13 children, only eight of whom lived to be adults. Both of her parents were members of the Third Order of St. Francis, and the family history of service to the Lord was long, with many members who served as priests and nuns, including her own brother. Showing great devotion growing up, Gianna entered the University of Milan in 1942 to study medicine and finished after World War II in 1949. She had hoped to join her brother, a priest, serving in the Brazilian missions, but her health would simply not allow it. So she opened up a practice in Massaro near her hometown. In 1954, she met Pietro Mola and the two were married the next year. And from 1956 to 1959, they had three children. Then in 1961, Gianna became pregnant with her fourth child and then was diagnosed with a tumor in her uterus. She was offered three choices, to have an abortion, a complete hysterectomy, which would have taken the child, or removal of the tumor alone, which was the riskiest of all her options. Gianna chose to have the tumor removed to protect her baby. In April 1962, she gave birth to Gianna Emanuela. However, a post-operation infection set in, causing her great pain. Then a week later, she died. Her daughter grew up to become a geriatric physician. In 1971, Pietro wrote his wife's story. He often told his daughter that her mother's choice was one of conscience as both a mother and a doctor. She was canonized in 2004 by St. Pope John Paul II. St. Gianna Beretta Mola, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. When it's time to do a segment on fasting, there are a few people that come to mind, and always near the top of that list is Doug Berry. Doug, it's good to have you with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. 
Thanks, Adam. I always appreciate being with you. All right, let's jump to the Gospels. There is a man possessed by a demon. I believe it's a man. Uh, and they try to drive the demon out, and our Lord says, this kind can only be driven out by prayer and fasting, not or. And that's what I right. want to focus on today is the power of prayer and fasting. And sometimes, well, I pray. Don't you know? I'm good, Doug. I pray. Do you fast? Oh, no, no, no. But I pray, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, the two go hand in hand. Yeah, and, and that is a phenomenal story. It's it's actually it, you know you got a couple of the synoptic gospels that address the same story, and it's it's a it's a it's a young man. It's a it's a son, and the father comes to Jesus and he says, "My son is possessed. He falls into fire. He falls into water. Your disciples couldn't cure him, and he's frustrated." Obviously, anybody who goes to Jesus and says, "Your disciples couldn't pull this off," I don't know what to do. I think a lot of us have understood that. Again, the proverbial. Literal or figurative, I'm sitting on the edge of my bed with my face buried in my hands saying, Lord, I don't know. Jesus says, if anybody ever wonders if Jesus is a little bit on that kind of demanding side, he says, how long must I endure you? How long must I be around you? Bring the boy to me. I've always questioned that part because I wondered if he's saying, you know what? I tell you, I show you how long has this got to go on? But it does also say that there's something in Jesus that says it's not just a free ride. You have to accept this of your own free will and engage in this. Bring the boy to me and boom, he casts out the demons. Now the disciples have enough guts. And again, you'll find this broken down in both these two synoptic gospels to come to Jesus and say, why couldn't we do this? Now Jesus is expressing, he has expressed some you know frustration with them all, but still they come and ask, why couldn't we do this? And he says, I mean, one of them, the one that you mentioned, is because some of these demons basically can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. There is this physical component to that. Now, that's a powerful gospel to think about for all of us. What is this thing with fasting then? It's, you know, and then the church has given us specific time seasons to fast in different ways, um, especially during Lent, of course, with abstinence from meat and then so many meals and this and that. Which, which, it, it, talk about really kind of making it light. It, it, it's not hard, people. It's not hard. Yeah. Okay. I mean, to have th three meals in a day, one big one and two small ones, and the two small ones together can't exceed more than the big Well, then I can just adjust the size of my meals and make that work for me, right? Look, fasting is supposed to make us uncomfortable. It's supposed to be um, in some way have a level and a degree of difficulty. Otherwise, what good is it in doing it? Well, I, I was just going to say that because, I mean, I can make a list of things in life that uh, I, I don't particularly enjoy. Having cavities drilled, don't particularly enjoy that one. Sure. Uh, you yeah. know, having to do yard work, don't particularly enjoy that. However, I feel a lot better if I take care of my teeth, especially if I do have a cavity getting it filled versus the alternate option of just letting it go on, which sadly I've done and found out the hard way. Get the cavity drilled. Uh, my neighbors appreciate it when I take care of the yard. And you know what? I appreciate it too. But this isn't just a, a superficial physical thing, you know, that, oh, it's good to be uncomfortable every now and then as some sort of uh, physical exercise. Um, there is something that happens on a supernatural level when we fast. And it's, you know, Doug, you talk about training quite a bit with Battle Ready. Uh, there's some training that goes on there, too, because, I mean, I think of those nights that I'm like, oh, you know, I'll tell you a quick story. We went bowling with the kids a, a while back, and I was like, Beth, bowling alley food. I remember that from being a teenager. It's the greasy <laughs> cheeseburger and the french fries with the cheese sauce and the big yeah. old soda. Who needs the oil on the lane? It's all on the food, right? Yeah. And she goes, no, 
No, because if you eat that, then when we get home, you're going to want to eat this. My wife knows me. And so on. And she was right. And, and if I keep seeking comfort after comfort after comfort, well, you know what? Sin is comfortable, too. Lust is comfortable. Gluttony is comfortable. Uh, the, the list goes on and on. But if I say, okay, let's not be comfortable. Let's abstain from the comfort of how good that cheeseburger would be. Uh, it, it helps prepare us for other hard things in the spiritual life. Yeah, there's a psychological, emotional piece to the training of those things that no doubt and is part of uh, the fruit, the reward of it. This is something, again, we have to remember. And as many years as I've done this work and traveled and spoken for what, I'm on 33 years now traveling and speaking all over the country and outside the country. And I can tell you how many times people have come to me and there's always that, that piece of the puzzle that says, you know, God's not worried about the body. He's only focused on the spiritual. And that's not true. Okay, there is a physical component to who we are. We're created body and soul. We're created. There is this union. In the final resurrection, we come back together, body and soul. Okay, death is not was not the original plan. All right, the, the death is the is the result because of sin entering the world. So this idea that we should just ignore the physical part of who we are and not pay attention to some of these details doesn't jive with the theology of the church. Now that being said, what you made clear there is important to remember. There is a training, there is a building up of, there is a, a strengthening of this, you know? I mean, I've, I've been working out since I was 12, okay? I'm 58. So I can do, and I've, I've probably missed maybe about a month and a half. I was really sick six or seven years ago, and, and, and I couldn't do any working out at all. And that was the only time I've gone that long without exercising. So what I'm saying is my body is very used to some form of exercise or workout, consistently for over 40 years. Okay. That being said, there are a lot of people who don't do that. So if you throw them into a workout program and there's no preparation, no training, no building up for it, it can throw them into a real chaotic tailspin because their body is going to freak out. I can't understand what you're doing here. My muscles have never done this and so forth and so forth. When you fast, you, in effect, can do the same thing emotionally and psychologically to deal with other challenges, too. If I'm fasting consistently, I'm, and this is, again, this, we're talking so, so psychologically, emotionally right now. We, I mean, the spiritual ramifications of fasting when it's offered up are beyond our comprehension. There's mystery to that. That is, how can fasting effectively help drive out evil? I, I, I don't think anybody can fully explain that, except the saints have talked about the power of it. We know the demons are bothered because what you're doing of your own free will is you're denying something that is so intricate to who you are, food. All right. It is one of the most basic things that is, that is an essence of who we are. I've got to eat. It's called living. It's called, you know, keeping, sustaining life. All right. And when you deny that and put that in a certain perspective, you're sending a message to the devil that you are, you are taking control over your will and you're driving him away. And there's some amazing mystery to that. But to build up to that psychologically and emotionally plays a part too. I mean, you know, as well as I, that when you're going on certain types of fasting, and this would be, you know, years ago, going half a day is like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. Ash Wednesday, only three meals. When are you going to eat your first meal? I'm going to try to stretch it out to noon. And then if I go from noon to six, and then maybe I'll get another meal in by nine in the evening, and then I'll psychologically be able to get through the day on three meals. That's that's crazy, I think. Yeah. Let's, that we let's, can... I was going to say, let's draw a line here, though, between fasting and abstinence. Both are good, you know, but abstinence is, I'm not going to 
enjoy this, you know, like I, I'm going to give up chocolate for Lent or I'm on Fridays. I'm going to do this abstinence from meat all year round, which we are, by the way, real quick disclaimer. It's not just a Lenten thing on Fridays throughout the year, yes. except solemnities. Right, right. Called to abstain from meat or do some other form of penance on the non-Lenten Fridays, but let's be easy. Abstain from meat. It's easy. It's simple to remember. Fasting, I mean, you're literally dying to self, quite literally, because you're not taking in enough food to meet that caloric need. And, Doug, I think of that passage where the rich young man goes away sad. Why? Because Jesus said, well, if you really want to follow me, deny yourself. Deny. You're not, you know— pray. He did say pray, but deny yourself. That's part of it. And I think that's part of what we don't understand is our Lord is saying to us, he doesn't say, understand why I'm telling you to deny yourself and and what's happening supernaturally. He just says, do it. That's a key part there is the denial. And that's something that you see the fact that he shows us what that looks like. He shows us that by going into the desert for 40 days, 40 nights, you know, before he begins his public ministry. He denies himself, obviously, when he's carrying the cross in so many other key places. But there are also places where Jesus shows that it's okay to celebrate and enjoy. You know, like when they come to him and they say, you know, your, your disciples, they, they eat and they, they don't, they're not fasting. He goes, ah, time's coming, you know, when, when, when the bridegroom's not going to be here. You're going to get that later. So our Lord is not saying that it's bad. He's saying that when you deny yourself, you're putting things in a different perspective, spiritually speaking, you're strengthening yourself psychologically, emotionally, you're, you're affecting both the spiritual and natural part of who you are. And you're basically mastering your passions. One of the greatest passions we have is the passion to do, to do what, what you mentioned there, Adam, and that is make things easy. You know, it's, we want to be comfortable. We love excess. Okay. We love the all you can eat buffet. You know, I'm going to put my 10 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever it is down for my buffet. And I'm going to make sure I get my money's worth people. How many people have had that in their head? Got to get my money's worth. I only had three platefuls of food. Yeah, but I paid 15 bucks and it's all you can eat. I should get another plateful of food. Okay. We've got the big screen TV. We've got the, the AI in the house. Now the Siri and the Alexa, yeah, everything is easy. We want the heated seats, the heated steering wheels. We want everything comfortable in excess. Fasting says, and even mortification, we want to bring that into this a little bit here too. Fasting from food, mortifying the senses through some form of, of, of physical denial. You, denying yourself these excessive comforts and so forth is a powerful way of mastering your passions. And I believe it's the book of Sirach that says, master your passions or they will master you. And fasting is one of the great ways to master passions. And if you can master the eating there are so many other areas you can master. You, it helps you. It strengthens you to deal with the anger uh, issues you might have, the, the lustful issues you might have, uh, the greed, the gossip. If you can master the food, maybe you can master your tongue and stop talking about people the way you shouldn't talk about people. You know, St. Paul says, if you can master your tongue, you can master every member of the body. Okay. So in other words, can we control even what we're saying? Well, there's an area there of discipline and mastery over passions, that fasting is a key part to help every other area of who we are. 
All right. Now, practically speaking, I want to offer a couple ideas here for our viewers and, and, and for our listeners. So for those of you watching, those of you listening, a couple things. You know, as Doug just said, mortification, easy thing to do. Uh, hair shirts aren't really a thing you can go get. I, don't, I haven't even seen them online anywhere. Uh, but, you know, you could go get a wool shirt that's itchy and uncomfortable and wear that. Or, you know, cold showers. That's one of the things the guys that do Exodus 90 do on a regular basis are cold showers. I like to use timers. You know, there are some things in life uh, that, you know, I, I have a sore back sometimes and I need to put heat on it. It'd be real easy to say, well, I'm going to take a nice long 30-minute hot shower. I don't even know if our hot water heater has the capability of doing that, but say, no, I'm not. I'm going to put a three-minute timer on. And that's you get in, wash everything, get out, done. Be, you know, don't linger. Uh, same thing with food. Oh, I could eat the all you can eat. No, and I'm going to have small portions intentionally, whether it's that food, that physical mortification, that abstinence. These are all good things. But, Doug, here's, here's where I'd like to go to kind of wrap this up today is this idea of, you know, transactional theology, I like to call it, that, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm doing this for you, so what are you going to do for I'm fasting for you, so what are you going to do for me? <laughs> yeah, right, and right. really, it's not, you know, first Fridays, first Saturdays, same thing. We think about it like, well, they said do this, and then, then we get these promises. No, it's about you draw closer to our Lord, you're going to be close to his grace. Uh, Scott Hahn has a great book out about this right now, Holy is His Name. And the whole idea is, where does holiness come from? It comes from God. So if we draw close to God, it'll be a lot easier to be holy. And so in all of this, Doug, I guess that's really the question I have is, whether it's the fasting, the mortification, the abstinence, when we talk about the supernatural, it's not so much, all right, God, I'm doing this for you, so what are you going to do for me? But that willful choice using the intellect and the will to say, I want to be closer to you, then God's probably going to welcome us closer to him and give us that grace. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. God, there's no way, as Scripture says, you can outdo God in generosity. There's no way. And it shouldn't be, you know, this, um, you know, I'll do this, you do that sort of attitude. It should be out of love. What do you do out of love for someone? You, you give and you don't ask for anything in return. If you truly love, you're willing to sacrifice. And you don't sacrifice with the attitude that I've got to make sure I get something back. But God, in his infinite goodness and unbelievable, mysterious power and love, always, always responds to whatever we give him. And that is just, that, that you just cannot escape that reality. When we fast and pray, when we mortify, when we take these, these more challenging steps of putting ourselves in, in ways that will help master the passions and shape the mind and the heart and deepen that spiritual connection with him, deep dialogue type prayer, not just check box prayer, but dialogue. I wanna communicate. I, I'm begging to, to have that deeper relationship. Fasting, Lord, I really wanna make this a gift to you. And I would say to people out there who would say, oh, oh, that's great. You guys are on Catholic radio talking about this. You Maybe you understand this. Look, I don't understand this. Okay, I don't know anybody who understands the mystery. I've asked many priests and very holy people out there questions about certain things regarding faith. And they'll say, well, you know, let me give you this answer. And then some of them will say, but then again, Doug, we don't always know exactly what God's doing with this and that. We know the church is teaching the deposit of faith. We know this and that, but we don't know necessarily how God is actually changing a heart and a soul in, when it comes to these moments. So I would, 
I would, on one hand, I would add, uh, like we, you gave some great practical ideas. I wait sometimes if I'm going to eat, I'll wait 15 or 30 minutes longer. Okay. I'll wait until noon or I'll wait until three, or I'm going to eat half as much as I was going to eat, or I won't put salt on the food this time, or if it really needs it, you know, or I won't use ketchup or I won't drink anything other than water, or, you know, you can find ways to do this and really challenge and test yourself think outside the box on, on those things, people, and let's, let's all get on board with that challenging of that. But in general, you, you know, Adam, this is one of those things, fasting and mortification, when we deepen that relationship with God, and that's exactly like you said, what he wants, he wants to draw us deeper and closer to him. I just want to, I'll wrap it up with this thought. When the Prince of Theologians, Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas, had written the most amazing things and still to this day is considered one of the most amazing writers and deep spiritual minds out there, towards the end of his life had a spiritual ecstasy where God touched him and showed him things. And when he came out of this moment, he wanted to burn everything he'd written. He says, everything I've written is straw, straw compared to what God just showed me. This was a man that it is said could dictate to five different people, five different topics to write down on theological matters. Like I can't even dictate, okay, this is how you change the oil of the car. This is how you bake cookies. This is how you, you, you know, you, you change out a light fixture. Now I can do all of those things individually, but to dictate to five different people to write it down and make it a book, he was able to do that on things like the Trinity, you know, and the Immaculate Conception. And this is a man who was given gifts that we can't comprehend. And still he says, everything God just showed me, Everything I've written pales, it's straw in comparison. So the depth of, of what God wants to do in our lives and how he wants to bring us from, I would say this, God doesn't want us just walking on water like Peter. He wants us running on it. He wants us to have that faith that says mountains move and trees get up and be replanted. He, he can do this. He wants the depth and we can go grow closer with the deeper prayer, the fasting and the mortification. Yeah, you know, as you say that, we don't have to understand and know fully. And I, and we're not going to be able to know fully on this side of the veil. Let's be honest right. about that. You know, and along those lines, I don't understand how water filtration works, but that doesn't mean I'm taking my glass and just getting unfiltered Mississippi River water and drinking <laughs> that with my afternoon snack. Yeah. You know, no snack. It's we're fasting. Water. We're talking about fasting. But, <laughs> you, you know, here's the other thing. When, when we're fasting, and, and, and let's wrap up with this, because Doug and I will be the first to tell you this thing right here. The rosary. For those of you listening, you can't see it, uh, but we're holding up a rosary. When you're fasting and it's hard, that's the time to really couple it with prayer. To you know, don't yeah. give in. Don't give in and say, "Oh, I, I, you know what? To heck with it. No one's gonna, no one's gonna fault me for going to eat that cheeseburger." Go pray your rosary and yeah. ask the Lord to give you the grace you need to keep fasting. Because throughout all of this, the one thing that we've kept coming back to without explicitly saying it is that you know what can you give god that he doesn't already have or he couldn't take for himself nothing right but everybody could give god gold you know everybody could give god a precious something or other no one but you can make you fast no one can say i am willingly going to have adam wright give up food other than adam wright you know it's your free will and our free will is the one gift no one else can give God, only you and I. So make that choice. Do some fasting. 
outside of Lent all year round. I think last time we were joking, uh, Doug, that Exodus three thirteen, you know, three hundred sixty five days a year minus the fifty two Sundays. Uh, right. you, you know, but for legal reasons, not Exodus three thirteen. Uh, you know, but the, the Exodus guys are <laughs> friends of ours, so we're probably right. good there. Um, but fast, 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 and pray. Yeah, exactly. Take it to the next level. And when you find yourself struggling with these things, I just want to emphasize to everybody: don't beat yourself up for your humanity, but keep persevering. Remember that scripture verse Jesus says: "Those who persevere to the end will find salvation, not those who figure it out and never fall again." Not those who never make another mistake, not those who have all the intellectual powers of the world. No, it's those who persevere, whether you're you know, a rocket scientist or, or someone who, who just struggles getting through high school, okay, which I'm one of those guys who barely got out of high school. They gave me six credits to get rid of me. Imagine that, right? I never went to college, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm a standard operating everyday Catholic. I was a, I was a clock in, clock out Catholic, hand the holy water font, walk in, clock in, check out after mass. That was it. No matter what you are, where you are, what level you're at, intellectually, spiritually, whatever, persevere. Don't quit. The devil wants us to give it up and not move forward. So no matter what your situation, persevere. All right, Doug, let's honor the Blessed Mother because she's done so much to encourage us in this message of prayer and fasting. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. The hour of our death, Amen. amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Prayer and fasting, friends, do it, do it. And uh, on that note, we're going to send you out to a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. A prayer for the gift of wisdom. Great is the wisdom of the Lord. God Almighty, your wisdom includes an understanding of what is fair, what is logical, what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. It mirrors your pure intellect. I entreat you to grant me such wisdom that my labors may reflect your insight. Your wisdom expands in your creations, displaying complexity and multiplicity. Your wisdom is an eternity ahead of man. May your wisdom flourish forever. Amen. Our catequiz question today is about indulgences. We were talking about those earlier in one of the segments. And so here's the question for you today. In addition to detachment from sin, what are the three conditions for a plenary indulgence? I I should say in addition to the indulgence to work and being detached from sin. What are the three conditions, the three requirements for a plenary indulgence? Well, number one, you have to make a good confession, and the church gives you some leeway on this. You can, uh, as Father Wade has reminded us, 40 days, 20 prior, 20 after. But the surest, best thing is make a good confession as close as possible to the day that you're performing the indulged work. More on that in a minute. Uh, You have to receive Holy Communion on the day that you do the indulged work, and you have to pray for the Pope's intentions. And a reminder, the good confession and communion go hand in hand because if you are if you are not in a state of grace and you receive Holy Communion, that's the mortal sin of sacrilege. And also, if you're not in a state of grace when you perform the indulged work, well, you know, you're, you're – we'll have to talk about that a little bit because there's, there's some nuance to that. But here's the thing. Be in a state of grace. That's what I'm going to say. I'm not a theologian, so I'm just going to say be in a state of grace. It's the surest way. Now, when it comes to the good confession, you know, if you have an opportunity, as we heard, daily to receive a plenary or partial indulgence. 
by doing things like going to adoration for half an hour in addition to what we just talked about, uh, by praying uh, any number of prayers, including the Angel of God prayer, uh, the Anima Christi, you know, by visiting um, and praying the rosary together in community. There are all sorts of things. You should look it up here because I'm going to run out of time. But if you go to confession today so that you can do an indulged work today and go to mass today and you don't commit any mortal sins today and tomorrow you're going to do another indulged work, today's confession will counter. You don't have to go to confession again tomorrow. But I will say, if you're in a state of mortal sin, go again. Let's take you to Mike Roberts again for another check of the weather and then the daily dose of encouragement. A prayer to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mystical Rose, make intercession for Holy Church. Protect the Sovereign Pontiff. Help all those who invoke you in their necessities. And since you are the ever-Virgin Mary and Mother of the True God, obtain for us from your Most Holy Son the grace of keeping our faith, of sweet hope in the midst of the bitterness of life, of burning charity, and the precious gift of final perseverance. Amen. We are halfway through the week talking about a year with the Eucharist on the Daily Dose of Encouragement this week with Patty Schneier. Well, this book, A Year with the Eucharist, has been life-changing for me. And in light of the USCCB's call for a revival of the Eucharist, I just want to share some nuggets that I've received from this book. Again, from the saints, from doctors of the church, from the churches, from the catechism. Just this, this compilation, this rich wealth of meditations on the Eucharist. And... In day two of this book, A Year with the Eucharist, again by Paul Jerome Keller, day two, it, all it says is this, make a plan to seek the Eucharist. This is the intro. He says, God is everywhere, but not in the same way. He is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Blessed Sacrament. We seek to pray before the sacrament in the same way that we prefer the physical presence of a loved one over the virtual. Now, we all know that's true, right? We know from COVID, it's so much better to be in person and not virtual. So this is the same way when we pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And he says that Christ desires us, he awaits us. And then he shared this reflection from St. Alphonsus Liguori. And I want to read this to all of you. This is from St. Alphonsus Liguori. On this earth, we cannot find a more brilliant jewel or a more lovely treasure than Jesus in the Eucharist. Certainly, after the frequentation of the sacraments, the adoration of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist is, of all devotions, the most acceptable to God and the most useful to us. Do not then, O soul, refuse to begin this devotion. From this day forward, retire each day from human conversation and remain for some time, at least for half an hour or for a quarter of an hour, in some church before Jesus Christ in the Holy Sacrament. Be assured that of all the moments of your life, the time which you spend in devotion before the most divine sacrament will be that which shall give you the greatest support during life and the greatest consolation at the hour of your death and for all eternity. And be persuaded that you shall gain more in a quarter of an hour spent in prayer before the Holy Eucharist than in all the other spiritual exercises of the day. St. Alphonsus Liguori telling us the beauty of sitting face to face with Jesus, maybe a quarter of an hour in front of our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. Make a plan to seek Christ in the Eucharist and adore him. 
I don't know who coined the expression, there ain't nothing like the real thing, but Patty, I think today's encouragement is a good reminder for us. There ain't nothing like the real thing. During the catequiz, I was mentioning about the nuances of you know being in a state of grace, and I have to admit, there was one day I had a gotcha. It, it wasn't intended to be a gotcha question, but it was definitely one of those questions that could be a gotcha question. But I was just really curious, and I asked a trusted priest. I said, "You know, Father, say you're going to pray the rosary in a group setting, and while you're doing that, uh, you're at church praying the rosary with a group, which is one of the works you can do to receive a plenary indulgence. But you're not in a state of grace. But you're also in line to go. They're hearing confession, so you're in line to go to confession while praying the rosary, and." The line's long enough that you finish the rosary before you get into the confessional. And he goes, Adam, stop being scrupulous. <laughs> That's what he said to me. Father said to me, he said, stop being scrupulous. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. So I'm just going to leave it at that. But, you know, here's the, here's the best plan. Go to confession regularly. Avoid sin. Avoid the occasion of sin. Ask for the grace to avoid the occasion of sin. Ask for the grace you need to conquer temptation. When you feel like you're being tempted to something, put on the brakes. Turn around. Go somewhere else. Go pray. Go read the scriptures. Get out of that situation. Avoid sin. And by the way, you can't do it on your own. If you're relying on you to be immaculate, well, you're not immaculate. I'm not immaculate. We're not going to be immaculate. But that doesn't mean we give up trying. And we ask for the grace we need to avoid sin, and we go to confession when we sin. So pray the rosary, go to confession. We cannot say it enough on the show. Pray the rosary, go to confession. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and I'm going to say it again. Pray the rosary, go to confession. Go to the Eucharist. Go to Mass. Pray the Rosary. Go to confession. Go to Mass.